Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Hey, welcome, First Orlando family. It's great to be with you today, and I'm excited to be able to share a very important message and then have a celebration time at the end of our service where we all have the opportunity to respond. Um, just so you know, the, uh, the journey of grace that we've been on, Pastor David's been talking about for several weeks, and, and this is what we're inviting everybody to participate in is a journey of grace. Maybe you're new today, uh, and this is your first time here. It's okay. Uh, we're not going to put any pressure on anybody that doesn't want to participate. You're surrounded by some of the most generous people uh, that I've ever met or that you would ever meet, and you're going to see us respond today. It's a great Sunday for you to see how our family responds when there's need and when there's opportunity, and, and we want you to do it, but we don't want you to be uncomfortable about it, but we do want you to see and experience what it's like uh, to be here on a celebration Sunday. So uh, we've been in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. Uh, This is a letter that Paul has written to this church in Corinth, and this passage, chapters 8 and 9, is the longest discourse on giving in the Bible, and he is using the example of the churches in Macedonia to talk to the church at Corinth in a different area about how to give, because the churches in Macedonia were so generous, he's using them as an example to this church to say, you should copy, you should emulate what the churches there did. And they all took steps, and we're being invited to take steps as well. Pastor David's been reviewing this. I want to remind you what those steps on the journey are, the journey of grace and the journey of generosity. It begins by taking the first step. And some of you, this is going to be the first time that you've given through First Orlando. And I want to tell you how grateful we are for that and what a big step of faith that is, and we want to celebrate that with you. It takes a lot of faith to do it, and we know, and there's a lot of headwind today and reasons that you shouldn't give, but you're taking that first step, and we applaud and affirm that step of faith to do that. And some of you have been giving already, but it's kind of haphazard in the way that you give. You show up at church and think about it for a second and then do something, and that's really not the biblical model. You need to become more intentional, like think ahead and give of your first monies. The first thing you do when you get paid is that you give. And so we are inviting you to become intentional. Some of you have taken that step. You've been haphazard, and you're going to be intentional about the way that you give. And then many of you are taking a step to go to percentage giving. You've been intentional, like you're giving regularly, but, but it's not attached to a percentage based on your income. And we want to encourage you to do that. The biblical model is 10%, but we want to encourage you to start somewhere. If you, if you can't give 10%, give something, but, but peg it to a percentage and see God bless. because what happens is you're going to see God's faithfulness in the midst of all that. And then many of us have been tithing or more to our church for a long time, and yet it's still an opportunity for us to go beyond, to take even another step in our giving journey, knowing that God is speaking to that. So today, at the end of our service, I'm going to invite you to respond, and part of that response is to indicate the step that you're taking on that journey as you participate with us. These chapters... um, Paul uses several terms over and over again, and we're going to talk about those terms and what they could mean to us. But I want to ask you this first. 
What do you think God likes to see when we give? What is he watching for? What pleases God when we give? I think Paul is describing that as he describes these churches in Macedonia. He's describing something that brings God great joy in the givers. You know, we've learned from the teachings of Jesus that the posture of our heart as we give is more important than what we give. The how we give matters more than what we give. You can't overcome a bad reason for giving with how much you give. But if you give the right, with the right attitude, with the right posture and for the right reasons, the amount you give is almost inconsequential in terms of how God sees that gift. So these these ideas we want to think about, what is it that pleases God? We're going to spend our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And just for a few minutes, I want to examine and think about what does God want to see in me when I'm giving? And so let's read this chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the mint excuse me, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In these verses, Paul is outlining this idea that, that our giving is motivated by the grace of God. You will be enriched in every way, so you will be generous in every way. It's his giving, it's his grace towards us that motivates our giving. It's not the other way around. This, this uh, flies in the face, if you will, of the prosperity gospel. A false prosperity gospel says this, if you give, you're going to get. And that's a prosperity gospel that is false. It's not true. The true gospel is this, because we got, we give. We don't give to get, we get to give. I actually like to say, yeah, you can applaud that. It's true. I actually prefer to say it. It's not it's not give to get, it's got to give. Be not because we have to, but because we've already received the grace that God has given to us. And when we understand that it's, it's almost that, that term, so that we've been enriched, so that we can be generous. It's what we've received that makes the difference in us. You know, there is a difference between being rich and being enriched. You know, Jesus told a story about a, a rich fool who was rich and all he did was build bigger barns to amass all of his wealth, places to store everything he was, he was gathering for himself. That's being rich. Paul said, you've been enriched so that you can be generous in every way. That's what it means to, to be overwhelmed by the grace of God. Like, I can't believe what God has done for me, the least I can do and the most that I can do is to give. And so what is the, 
What is the way God wants to see us respond to his grace? Because that's what he wants to see. He wants to see us respond to his grace. There are two terms that Paul uses over and over again, and and they're captured in this passage, but they're also throughout chapters eight and nine. And the the first thing that God wants to see in us is that we are pure, that we're pure in the way that we give. In the verses, he, he talks about that if when we give to him, people are going to give thanksgiving to God. They're going, they're not, he doesn't say give because it's going to do something for you. He says give because people are going to give thanks to God. He even says in one of the verses, they're going to glorify God because of you. Think about that. Think of what is it that you can do that people are actually going to thank God for that. That's pretty powerful. When we give, we don't give because we're getting something in return. We don't give to get. We don't give because somebody's going to thank us or they're going to send us a really nice note or we'll get credit in some way. No, we, we give. We're pure in our motive. We give because we've received grace and this is the way that we respond and we don't expect anything in return. That verse, uh, chapter 11 again says, uh, we'll be enriched, but look at this. Thanksgiving to God, many thanksgiving to God, they will glorify God. This is how people respond when we give. Not so that we can get it. There's, There's no recognition, no personal benefit to us, but there's nothing better than people giving God glory for something that we've done. You know, God is the ultimate benefactor, not us. We're just the intermediaries. We're the pipe. We're receiving from God and distributing to others. Imagine these people who gave, the church in Macedonia, the churches in Macedonia. They gave to the church in Jerusalem. It's a big distance, long way, different cultures, different people. They gave to people that they would never meet, from whom they could never benefit. David talked about it last week. Paul is describing people who are givers, not buyers. They weren't weren't giving because they were trying to manipulate something or use something or get something back out of it. They were not buying. You know, buyers ask, what's in it for me? And givers say, you just give it and use it. Givers don't experience buyer's remorse, but buyers do. And I'm thankful to say it's very unusual. You are givers. It's very unusual for David or I either, one, to get a comment or an email or a letter from somebody in this church that's giving giver, excuse me, buyer remarks. Let me tell you what buyer remarks are like. And we got an email recently that was a buyer's remark and it said something like, I'm gonna stop giving or I'm not gonna give any more unless you, and then fill in the blank fill in the blank. Put in whatever you want to. Turn the music up, turn the music down, turn the lights up, change this, fix the parking, do whatever you put after that. It doesn't matter because that's a buyer. If you don't do this, I'm not giving. My response to that, what I really want to say, and I look for opportunities to say it, you shouldn't be giving anyway because there can be no joy with what you're giving. The joy comes in giving when there's nothing expected in return and people are giving God the glory for what you've done. That's when there's joy. What use is it to give? If you're trying to buy, go to Millennia. 
Use your money, buy. But that's not what we do here. We're not buying, we're giving. And that's what you do and I've watched it over and over again. I'm so grateful to have been raised here in a culture of givers. And I watched a generation who are all now with Jesus today, give sacrificially, send money to missionaries all around the world to reach people with the gospel, people they would never meet or never encounter, from whom they could benefit nothing. They gave, and you know what? They also gave for you and me. This property, this space, this building, everything that we enjoy today, they gave many of them never having the opportunity to set foot in it, but they gave, and we're giving him thanks for them because they're pure, and that's what God's looking for in us. Today, when we respond, don't seek anything in return. We give purely because of what we've already received from him. Well, that's the first way that we please God with our giving. The second way is we are ready. Paul uses this term like seven or eight times describing the Macedonian church. They were ready. He uses the word uh, eager or they expected to be a part of it. It's, it's like he's describing a people who they, they weren't running from the opportunity to give. They weren't going, oh no, get away, Paul. Don't talk to us about that again. We don't wanna hear about that. No, 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 no. They were eager, they were ready. And why is that? How is it that they could be ready? I want you to look in verse 13, what it says. He uses this term submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. What he's referencing here, this term submission, he's telling us the people in that church, they had already submitted themselves to the, the gospel of Christ. In other words, what he's saying is they've already surrendered everything that they are, everything that they own, every, all the influence that they have, all the money that they have, all the possessions that they have, their own selves. They've surrendered it to God. They've surrendered it to the gospel. So the decision has been made already. Everything I have belongs to you. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Isn't that a beautiful response? And he says they, they had already done that. There wasn't, Paul didn't have to convince them or persuade them or show them a video or anything like that. He just said there's an opportunity to support a church and they were ready to go. Can I tell you that, that that's unusual? Some of you are ready, most of you are ready givers. I say it often, I, I don't have to persuade people. David and I don't have to have a bunch of meetings and convince people and, and give all the rationale. Most of the time when we encounter you, you're, you're looking for the opportunity to give and saying, give me something to give to now. What's the next thing that we're going to do? How are we going to make a difference? And I want to be a part of it. I don't have to put anybody in a headlock and do any kind of convincing or persuading. I don't have to use guilt trips or anything like that. No. But can I tell you, some of your friends think you've lost your mind. And maybe you have. Because your friends that aren't part of a church, not part of the kingdom, they're not doing that. The general public, they don't give the way you give. You know what you are, you're, you're not hiding from the ask. You're asking for the chance to give. And it's beautiful. Instead of bigger houses, faster cars, nicer vacations, 
better clothes, instead of all those things that money could buy for you, you give because you're ready. You're ready to go. Just give me a chance and I'm ready to do it. No persuasion, no convincing. There's an opportunity to give. You know, there's even in in chapter eight, verse four, Paul talking about those churches, he says they were begging for the opportunity to give. Sometimes that's what it feels like to me. Man, David and I talk, say, man, they're just like, the people are begging for an opportunity to give. They wanna do something else. Like what's the next thing that, where's the next project that we need to make a difference? Because you are so generous. A couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I was, down here after one of our services and one of our widows came up and uh, she said, I wanna share with you a little bit about what's going on on my giving journey if I can. And, and I could tell she was a little uh, embarrassed or awkward and she said, Danny, I don't have a lot of money. I'm on a very fixed and in, limited income. And she said, I just have noticed over the last few months that all of my bills are higher. Like everything costs me more. And I said, yeah, I can relate. That's happened to me. Happened to some of y'all too, right? Everything's more expensive. And she said, but my income hasn't gone up. And she said, I I started doing the math and I don't make enough money to pay my bills. And she said, as I looked at it, it was one night, I looked at it and I go, I don't have any option except to stop tithing and use that money to pay my bills. She said, so I went to bed thinking that's what I've got to do. And she said, I woke up the next morning and had my prayer time. And I just really sensed God telling me that's not the answer here. That's not the thing to do. And she said, so I'm here to tell you, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm not backing up on my giving to the church. I'm going to keep giving just like I have. And I'm going to just let the other take care of itself. Somehow, some way, God's going to take care of what else I do but I'm not backing up on my giving to the church. I thought to myself when she walked away, I don't know, but that step of faith for her takes more faith than what Betsy and I are going to do in the scarcity that she lives in. And that's the kind of people you are, so eager to give. Like I'm not backing up, and not only that, I'm taking a step forward. So what is God looking for? in us when we give. He wants us to be pure, that there's no false motive. It's not to impress or purchase or get. It's not because we're trying to play a favor with God. It's because of what he's already done for us. The marvelous, matchless grace of Jesus, the surpassing, as Paul says, grace of God upon us and he also wants givers who are ready like we're on our tiptoes just looking for the next opportunity where is a chance for me to give last month we had courtyard baptisms and at the 1130 service I was hosting this particular Sunday at the 1130 service uh there was a baptism right before I got up to do the, um, talk about the offering and all, and, and I, I was not prepared for the baptism. Nobody had warned me. They should have given me a warning, but they didn't. And, um, and when the baptism was over, 
I couldn't speak. And I had to gain my composure. And, and after the weekend, I, I reached out to the family of this young man who was baptized, and I asked if I could get some more information. His name is Daniel. He's 14 years old. And uh, they were very gracious and eager to, to share. His mom's name is Gina. And I asked Gina if she would, I asked first of all if it's okay if I tell their story. And, and they uh, eagerly agreed to that. But I also asked for a little bit of history on Daniel. And here's the email that Gina sent me. Daniel has cerebral palsy, which resulted from being born at 26 weeks and weighing one pound. His birth mother was incarcerated, so Daniel was taken into the protective custody of DCF at birth. Daniel required extensive medical care to survive, including a ventilator and tracheotomy. At four months of age, they stopped medical care as the medical staff believed that his brain was only functioning, functioning with involuntary reflexes. Miraculously, Daniel began to improve medically without any explanation. Two months later, he was discharged from the hospital to a nursing home. Daniel resided in that nursing home until he moved home with us at age three and a half. We adopted Daniel just before his fourth birthday. Daniel has continued to improve and defy the odds. He was able to breathe without his ventilator and tracheotomy at the age of five. Although we were told he was deaf, he hears perfectly. Daniel's cerebral palsy affects his ability to speak, but the, at the age of six, he began to speak, and he most definitely has a brain that functions just as God intends it to, brain injury and all. Daniel was very nervous about all the people watching him at his baptism, and his disability can cause him to have some unnatural-looking movements. But as you could see, he understands, and he is so thankful for Jesus and what he did for him on the cross. Daniel is a compassionate child. He loves unconditionally, and he has a great sense of humor. Daniel speaks of Jesus often and of heaven and of the love of God. As an infant in a hospital room, Daniel had no family that visited him or held him for the first four and a half years of his life. The medical staff described him as stubborn. I say he was a fighter. Fighting for his life with no one to hold him, kiss him, speak to him, or sign for him, I believe that Daniel's comfort during those times came from his heavenly father. I love to tell Daniel's story because it is full of miracles, and I know that God has allowed Daniel to be here to bring him all the glory. I want you to see Daniel's baptism. Watch this. Hey, church family, we get to continue our worship this morning through baptism. So I'm here with some young men who are going to introduce themselves and give us your statement of faith. Okay, guys? My name is Park. Wait, yeah. My name is Parker, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He did it. You good job. Buddy. My name is Daniel, and this is what I'm saying. All right. 
Parker and Daniel, it is my privilege to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There you go. Awesome. Is that not one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen? You know, I wondered, I wondered at the time, does he even know what's going on? And man, I just was uncertain. And then he does this, this big old grin on his face. He's so pure and so ready and so beautiful to God because he's responding to a grace that he can't believe. And that's the way we should respond. If we're not responding that way, I think it's because we don't realize how lost we were or how great Jesus is. One of those two, or maybe a combination of the two. But Daniel did. I had the joy of meeting Daniel. I went to our special needs ministry that you helped create. Dozens of kids there and moms and dads. The kids are learning about Jesus. Kids like Daniel. By the way, did you hear him say, my name is Daniel, Jesus is my Lord and Savior? I've listened to it a lot. You can hear it if you're used to hearing it. It's beautiful. So I went to meet him. He was sitting there waiting for me. I said, hey, Daniel. How you doing, man? It's good to meet you. I said, my name's Daniel. And he said something back to me, and I I couldn't understand what he said. And I said, what did he say? And his mom said, he wants to see your driver's license. (laughs) So I took out my driver's license and showed it. So pure. So pure. So ready. That day I left the church, you know, it happened at 1130 and we got through the rest of the service and I got in my car and driving home. I said, God, however it is I respond to the gospel, if it's the way I interact with people, the way I give, the way I treat my family even, the way I respond to the gospel, I want it to be as pure It's Daniel, let me look like that to you. Wish I could jump like Daniel after a baptism. That's who we want to be, church. Pure and ready. That's who we want to be. And today I want you to consider, what exactly does God want you to do? And then respond the way he's telling you to. And if we all do that, we're going to have all the resources we need and people in faraway lands and around the corner from us and everywhere in between. They're not going to send you a thank you note, I'm telling you now. But they're going to give glory to God for you and your generosity. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody has one of these, okay? Three things you want to mark on there that you're participating in the offering celebration. 
Number two, the step that you've taken on your journey. Please tell us that because we want to celebrate it in a few weeks. We're going to celebrate the steps we've taken. And then what your plan for giving is, the total amount that you plan to give between now and September 30, 2024. What's the total amount? And then here's what we're going to do. We're, band and singers are going to lead us in a song about what he's done that we're going to celebrate together. We're going to sing it and celebrate. While we sing and celebrate, I'm going to invite you to come to any place where there's a bin and a balloon. We have them upstairs, we have them at the cross aisle, and we have them here at the front as well. You move, just put your uh, envelope in there as your response. And then one of the most beautiful things that's happened for us over the past uh, 40 days is the 40 days of prayer that we've been able to do. And I felt like it would be the best way for us to finish our service today for us to have a time of prayer, just a short prayer that we'll have. But I don't want us to leave. I'm inviting you to make your response, come back to your seat, and let me lead us in a a short prayer that we'll have after we have the opportunity to respond. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.